because physics is a game by the senses, for the senses. I mean the physical senses. You know, not intuition, not belief, not all those things. You know, things you can touch and feel and taste and smell. and What's the other one? Hearing. No, I already said that one. You know what I mean. Physics. By the senses. For the senses. I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's something profound about that, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> it gives it a context, you know. Physics, the mini-series, an introduction, take three. I'm pretty sure that that comment, by the senses, for the senses, sees off the religious argument, or the, and, and sees off the philosophers even, you know, you say, ah, yes, but you can, can you trust the senses? doesn't matter if I can trust the senses. It's a game for the senses, by the senses, even with their failings. You know, their failings are taken into account. Their limitations are taken into account. The limitations of our senses are taken into account by this definition. You know, look, I'm just making these things up on the fly, these definitions of physics, but I'm the teacher, and this is my classroom, and I make the definitions. And if you define something to be true, it is true, you know, within the four walls of the classroom in which it is defined. I think it sees off even the possibility that the universe is an illusion. You know, in this way, it probably sees off the philosophers, you know. Um, because by the senses, for the senses is a concept that bypasses uh, any such illusion, is it not? Um, by the senses, for the senses, if it was a maths equation, it would almost be uh, by the senses, open brackets, however we shall allow for the possibility of the universe being an illusion, close brackets, divided by, you know, great big divided by line, for the senses, open brackets, you know, allowing for the possibility that the universe is an illusion, close brackets. And if you, can you picture that drawn on a piece of paper? You know, something divided by something. And uh, what's, the, what's common to the numerator and the denominator? Uh, that phrase in the brackets. Allow, you know, open brackets allowing for the possibility of the universe being an illusion, right? So they cancel out. They put a big line through that and put a big line through that, you know, top and bottom. And all you've got left is by the senses divided by for the senses. And then smart aleck Johnny up the back says, oh, just cancel out the word senses as well and have by the, for the. <laughs> and then you can cancel out the... You got by divided. You got by four. Ah, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, yep, 
I agree. That got silly. <laughs> but uh, once again, I think there's something in it. There's something profound about it. And if you're smarter than me, you'll figure out what it is. Um, I actually can't quite, you know, but there's something profound about it. Right. Yeah, all I'm saying is that I think it, I think that if the senses are in their own service, it really doesn't matter what's happening outside that bubble. Um, yeah, that'll do. I think that's what it means. Stop the press. I've got it. <laughs> Eureka. A definition of physics. That suits me. You know, it took hours of podcasting to get to this moment. And I think I've got it. You know, I've worked out what's profound about physics, or what I think it is anyway. And it's like this. Uh, you've stalled your car on a train track. You know, crossing the train track. Crossing the railway line. And, obviously, as is always the case in these situations, a train is bearing down on you. And you're in... And, I'll have us right in the middle of the Nullarbor. And uh, I'm not even sure if the road crossed the train track in the middle of the Nullarbor. I haven't actually done the Nullarbor yet. My brothers have, but I haven't. Uh, Gee, I felt like doing a digression there. Okay. Uh, But I won't. Um, Okay. So there's a little side street off the Nullarbor (laughs) that crosses the railway line. Right. And you've, for some reason, you've gone off on that side street to sightsee more desert um and you've stalled the car on the railway line and you are in between that point in time that you can be within um you know between when the train is at least you know it's just a dot on the horizon coming towards you okay so you've got plenty of time no problem at all might even be able to get out and push that car, you know. But more importantly, you've got time to do some philosophy and say, hmm, I wonder if that train exists, you know, and things like that, you know. Or I wonder if God will save me from this moment and all this sort of thing, you know. The train is a dot on the horizon. All right. You're in between that moment uh, and that moment when it's too late and it's too late to get out of your car and you're, you're just about to die. Right, so there's a, there's a point in time in between that moment when the train is a dot on the horizon and you're dead for sure. Okay, you're in that little zone there, yeah? The Goldilocks zone for physics. And uh, that zone is, uh, that zone is um, where you really have to make a decision. Are you going to jump out of that car or you're not? You know, you've stalled the car on the railway line. Right. Um, okay. Train, dot on the horizon. Oh, look, we all do this a bit. Ah, we'll do some philosophy. We're no, there's no panic. You know. In fact, uh, you know, the real philosophers amongst us don't panic at all. Just like uh, the people who deny climate change. You know, uh, you know uh, we, um, oh, we don't panic at all, you know. And uh, do you know what? I've been worrying about that climate change thing because, you know, even the other day I was thinking, gee, I should get, you know. No, it is an emergency. It is. 
you know. But right now I'm in North Queensland and I've just taken an aeroplane up here with the family. And as much as I might want to claim, yeah, because emotionally I, 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 I'm on deck, climate change is a problem. Um, you know, it's an emergency. It actually is an emergency. Um, I, I really actually agree with that. But then I have brought my family up here, you know, along with my wife, but we have brought the family up here on an aeroplane burning massive fossil fuels on what is um, uh, an unnecessary holiday uh, in terms of carbon footprint. Um, so this is what I was getting at in another episode. I can't, this is a digression, I can't, um, I can't claim, you know, I can't claim to actually really care because I've just been on an aeroplane for hours and hours and hours. Um, I'm in Early Beach, by the way. We've come for a holiday in um, Hamilton Island. And you, Alex, all fake names, you, Alex, have smashed your iPad screen the minute we got here. So I've taken a ferry across to Early Beach to get it fixed in Cannonvale. Um, and then I'll uh, take a ferry back to Hamilton Island afterwards. But look, fossil fuels, fossil fuels, fossil fuels all over the place. You know, you should have seen how fast that ferry was going. That engine... Must have been a monster, you know, as a mother, because we were really flying along in the spray at the back. Um, I'll get back to the train in a second, but this is a really important point, you know. There are people lying on the road all over the world at the moment in what's called the Extinction Rebellion protest movement um, about climate change, and I'm on deck with them. They, you know, uh, they're everywhere. And are any of them or any of them, um, using fossil fuels for unnecessary travel. Do any of them go to Bali for holidays? Um, Have they got a car? These sorts of things, you know. Um, Greta Thunberg, um, she's an activist I talked about recently. She actually seems really genuine. And I actually, I think she's the real deal. Um, Whether you hate her or not, um, she does seem to be the real deal um, and seems to have talked her parents into uh, s- stopping their, you know, uh, travel by aeroplane. Um, um, you know, her mother was a famous opera singer and she can no longer do her job. And someone asked her, do you care that your mother can't do her job anymore? You've ruined her career. You've talked her out of um, her opera career because you said she shouldn't be flying. And, and Greta Thunberg said, I don't care. The, emergen- the climate emergency is a bigger problem than my mother's opera career. That's a huge statement, you know. This Greta Thunberg, that's the way Jesus used to talk. Jesus used to talk about that, you know. Um, they asked, you know, um, they asked, when you check it yourself, but in the Bible they asked Jesus questions about his mother and everything. And he says, that's not the most important thing, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's a messiah-type um, way of thinking, you know. There, there are bigger problems in the world to be dealt with, you know. The salvation of the human race is a bigger deal for me than you know, my own mother's welfare, you know. So Greta Thunberg is kind of a new Jesus, a climate Jesus, you know. I'll get back to the train, but, I, 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 you know, I didn't mean to talk about this stuff, but I just have. Um, and that's the way these podcasts go. Um, unnecessary travel even if you're a businessman or a businesswoman you know are you flying to business meetings more often than you have to 
Um, or could you be doing it? Could you be doing some of that business by internet hookup? Yeah. Are you? Um, are you going? You know, across to another country to do business? A little more than you absolutely have to. Of course, you can justify it to yourself. You know. Of course, you can justify it to yourself and say, "Oh no, it's really important. You need that face to face and all that sort of stuff." But is every trip you're going? on absolutely that necessary and are you taking people who don't need to go you know are you turning it into a bit of a junket at the same time yes of course you have to go but are you turning it into a bit of a junket as well and you've invited three people from your office instead of one when you could have gone just yourself and done the job um, and when you got there, explained that you only brought yourself because you care about the environment. Could you have done that? You know, and when you're over there, um, is it half a holiday really? Tell the truth. Is it partly because you love world travel? Do you love world travel? Is that half the reason why you even expanded into that country? You know, are, are you picking and choosing? You know, you know, there's a lot of questions you could ask. I'll leave that all alone. But you know, I want to care about the environment but I just jumped on an aeroplane and it was a big one and we those engines you know even though I was feeling very comfortable up in the cabin it was very um, relaxed and temperature controlled and beautiful and it felt like you know that I wasn't burning any fossil fuel because all I was doing was having a uh, cup of coffee in the aeroplane underneath me you know in such a way that i could barely perceive there were engines huge jet engines just roaring and just burning fossil fuels at high grade fossil fuels have gas at such a rate it was a furnace down there just burning our environment and i didn't give a shit you know? so um i've got two choices either I uh, say I care, or I can, and, and be a hypocrite, or say I don't care. You know, I really think that. You know, um, I'd like to actually interview all the people who are moralising about climate extinction. Some of them would come up trumps, like that Greta Thunberg. I think she's coming up trumps. You know, she's she's the genuine article, but not many of those people that are so dramatically stopping trams in um, the centre of Melbourne from, you know, and stopping people going to work and they've stopped me a few times too with their, um, you know, they got me caught, you know, stuck in traffic for ages. Yes, I was burning fossil fuel, but, you know, the point is, um, I bet you a lot of those people are hypocrites too. Um, you know, and you might say, oh, you know, if you don't, if, if everyone is going to have the hypocritometer um, applied to them, uh, they'll never be able to advocate for anything. But I think climate, uh, the climate emergency is on another level and you cannot moralise. This, um, this is too deadly serious. You know, this is not a matter of philosophy or, you know, whether you believe in God or not and all this sort of stuff. This is physics, climate change. Jeez, I've almost had the climate change episode after all, haven't I? Because I, I thought I, I should have a, an episode on climate change because climate change is all about physics. At, 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 yeah, when it is all said and done, you know, physics will do us in, you know, not our opinions. Um, it'll either do it as it's in or it won't do us in. You know, I don't know yet. I'll find out, you know, by the end of my life. Right. Um, you know, the hypocritometer, you know, should actually be applied when it comes to um, uh, climate change. You know, don't you lecture me. Look, I'll, I'll get off climate change now for a moment um, because that train... 
is bearing down on me and it has suddenly become a little bit critical and I don't care about climate change anymore because I'm just about to, uh, you know, my arse is just about to pass through my mind, literally. Right, now, um, and that was rude, what I just said then, but um, in an emergency, if you declare something to be an emergency, all the normal rules of having manners and all that sort of stuff and being dignified, go out the window. You can say what you want. You can say, oh, you know, you can say anything you like as that train comes down on you or as the climb, as the, um, as the last piece of oxygen, the last square cube of oxygen, um, gets overtaken by carbon dioxide, you know. Uh, although, now the train's bearing down on me. Ah, uh, look, it's gotten too late now. Uh, the train is no longer a dot on the horizon. It's entered the Goldilocks zone. Um, it's too late for me to push the car off the tracks. Um, it's too late for that. Um, oh, just a second, I might be trying to catch a bus to Cannonvale because I've come across to Airlie Beach from Hamilton Island and I've just realised that um, this place that fixes uh, iPad screens uh, just a second excuse me oh excuse me to Cannonvale do I hop on this side of the road this or that? side this side yeah. okay thank you very much um okay so um now we're yeah and um the place that fixes iPads is not in Early Beach you know oops so now I've have to catch a bus to Cannonvale Oh, yeah. you just got to play it cool in this life, even when in far north Queensland where it's hot. Right, um, it was freezing when we left Melbourne. Rainy, freezing, got up here, beautiful, 27, 28 degrees. Um, okay, so, oh, I'm still talking, aren't I? And that train is really close now. I've got to make a decision. I'm in the physics Goldilocks zone now. Um... And it's all about my senses now. Forget the philosophy. See what I'm getting at? By the senses, for the senses. Ah, see, I finally got to it. Um, By the senses, for the senses. All that matters right now to me is um, what my senses are telling me is uh, likely to happen. Is there, no, my senses are saying this is definitely going to happen. You know? All the philosophy of whether that train is an illusion has gone out of my head. You know, the philosophy of whether that train is an illusion or not has just flown out of my head. You know, because I know where my ass is going. Right, in one minute flat. Um, right, so, all right, I'm going to measure. Just with, it's all about the senses now. Everything's gone. Religion's gone. God's gone. Um, everyone's gone. I, I haven't actually um, resorted to religion yet. I will resort to religion ten, five seconds. One, two, three. Yeah, five seconds before the train hits. You know, I will. Re- that's outside the Goldilocks zone of physics. You know, because then it's too late. But whilst I've still got time to get out of this car, I am going to uh, play a game of by the senses, for the senses. I'm not going to care about Jesus. You know, I'll care about Jesus when there's five seconds to go and there's it's too late. All right? That's outside the Goldilocks zone of physics. That's outside the physics world. Um, and here I go. I measure that I've got 
15 seconds to get the hell out of this car. It's too late to push the car off the tracks. Okay, I measure with my sensors that I've got 15 seconds to get off this train track. To get out of this car and jump off the train track and make a dive for it. Okay. Um, and why? Because uh, now my sensors there are operating in the service of my sensors. They care about nothing else. This is a game of by the sensors, for the sensors. It's all about physics here. Um, and I have decided to bang. Too late. <laughs> Damn. Ah, oh dear. But I think that's what the game of physics is all about. By the sensors, for the sensors, where you put Jesus aside. Yeah. If I, if I had stopped talking five seconds to go, I would have repented <laughs> and admitted to, you know, cut my losses. And I would have said, you know, what have I got to lose? Yes, all right, I agree, you, would, you exist, Jesus, because, you know, I'm not going to renounce God or the devil at that point in time, am I? Five seconds to go, you know, but it was too late. I got hit. Um, train just kept going. Train just kept going. The nullable, you know, like, if I was that train driver, I'd just say, you know what I'd say? I was asleep. Didn't see it. You know, I got the paperwork. You just, just, just go straight through that train, like trains go through kangaroos um, when they're on in the outback. You know, um, yeah, and and buses going down the Stuart Highway or across. Um, they don't even slow down for kangaroos. Uh, the buses or cows or anything. The trains don't stop for cows. You know. Um, uh, the buses don't even slow down. You know, uh, sometimes you can just see the kangaroos that are just hopping gently, you know, at 90 degrees. Yeah, I've been on buses in the outback and, um, you know, an emu or a kangaroo or something, or, you know, human, you know, it's just cruising. And you can just tell you're probably going to hit this thing. <laughs> oh, no. I'm doing some physics here. I'm measuring this. That kangaroos are going to... Um, I could probably back off by five kilometres an hour and probably let the kangaroo go right past me, says the bus driver. But what you do, you got it on cruise control and you're listening to Paul McCartney. Um, and to avoid killing that kangaroo, you would have to actually switch the can cruise control off. <sighs> and you'd have to, um, then you'd have to get, you know, pick up that speed again. And you're, oh, I can't be Bang! <laughs> Goodbye, kangaroo. It's gone too. They, you don't even slow down, you know. All right, then. Physics is about all that, you know. You know, those moments where you're measuring whether the train's going to hit you and, um, and wondering what effect that's going to have on your senses, you know, when you're, when you're doing formulas in your head, um, with your senses, in terms of you know, you know, interpreting your senses, um, but you're only, you're doing that only for uh, what might be best for your senses, um, and uh, and that's physics, you know. Okay, look, I'm just sitting here at a bus stop waiting, so I thought I'd waste your time. The, the bus service in far north Queensland is wasting my time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share the pain with you. I'm on the bus. Uh, fossil fuels. Um, and uh, let's get back to what I was talking about before 
I had my, uh, what would you call it, physics version of Road to Damascus <laughs> Revelation. Uh, I had something else on my mind too, I mean, if, I, if I can just think about what it was. Um, oh, um, oh yes, I could accuse myself of just willy-nilly making up definitions to suit myself and in that respect, not being much different than a theologist, for example. And to the extent that I'm playing a game, this is true. I'm not being that different. You know, I'm making up a definition of physics um, that suits me, as I say. And theologists make up a definition of truth themselves that suits them, you know, and, and then... Um, they work within that definition, the theologists, you know, so the theologists, you know, um, hardline theologists, you know, Christian theologists at least might say, uh, everything in the Bible is literally true and we have to explain the universe given that, you know, so, you know, they're playing that game. And then I make a definition that, um, that uh, every, everything we can measure with our senses is true you know our senses and our our reason i say cautiously um in interpreting those senses yeah but anyway i make some sort of definition like that and then i have to um you know and they're my boundaries you know in the same way that the the theologist has his or her yeah boundaries you know so there's no real difference and i say i agree i agree and they say well well you're no better and i say I agree. I never said I was. Yeah. Um, people just assume. Right. Uh, so, you know, you might say, what's the point? Um, and, um, and you're being arbitrary, aren't you? You know, just making up definitions to suit yourself. And I say, well, actually, I'm not actually inventing these. I'm getting to the bottom of something. Yeah. I'm not bringing my own brain power to this. You didn't think I was making all this up, did you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not bringing my own brain power to this. What I'm doing is trying to get to a pre-existing definition of physics. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get inside the mind of the people in the Enlightenment especially, but even as far back as, you know, Aristotle and all those guys and um, everyone in between, yeah, not, just you, not just in the Western tradition, but, you know, scientists in all traditions, I'm trying to get at what they're getting at you know, um, with my definitions. I'm actually just trying to uncover something that's already been thought about. So I'm not making this stuff up, you know. And I think what I'm doing in creating these two classrooms, these two fictitious classrooms that I've been inventing, you know, one where um, you, know, you can believe what you want to believe. That's one classroom. You know, the, um, the um, it's late at night, I can't think. Um, the, not the religious, but, you know, oh, look, I've been calling it the hocus pocus one, but, you know, where you decide, you decide something's true before you have any evidence and then you make the evidence fit. Yeah, something like that, you know what I mean? Right. Um, 
religious education class, you know. And then you have this other classroom where you um, refuse to uh, admit anything that hasn't been measured by the census, you know. Okay, this is what I'm trying to do in inventing these two classrooms is mimic something that's already been invented, especially in the Western tradition. Um, I make no apologies for uh, that because, you know, if I'm going to talk about physics, physics arose largely from the, uh, the West, you know, the physics as we know it. Now, I know that, you know, the Islam had its golden age and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, the physics I know is really that one that got cracking with Isaac Newton and all that lot. I always say Isaac Newton and all that lot because he's just the easiest one for me to grab, you know, in the world of classical physics at least. Um, you know, the physics I know is that one. Yeah. which has its roots, you know. Maybe, did he say that, um, I stand on the shoulders of giants, you know, or did Einstein say that or did someone else say that? Anyway, everyone stands on the shoulders of giants, you know. But what I'm trying to do in creating these two fictitious classrooms, you know, let's say one in which belief reigns supreme, you know, belief is the definition holds the definition of truth, and the other one in which evidence holds uh, you know, small t truth, you know, the definition of small t truth. Um, you know, one classroom in which, uh, I like this capital T, small t stuff. Right, one in which um, belief, faith, faith is the word I'm looking for, holds um, the key to capital T truth. And the other one, in which um, uh, the, the measurements made by the censors uh, hold the key to small t truth. And what I mean by small t is, you know, pending further evidence because physicists n never, ever say um, they hold the truth. You know, they just say, listen, this is what the evidence is telling us and... We'll just write that down and we'll refer to it until further evidence comes to hand that might, you know, enhance that, refute it, whatever. You know, that's what physicists say. Um, whereas in that other classroom, you know, people say this is truth, capital T truth, and no matter what evidence comes to hand, we will not be changing that truth. We will, make, we will force the evidence to morph to fit that capital T truth, you know. But in creating these two classrooms... And I am doing this close to midnight, and I've got a plane flight. Taxi will be here at six o'clock in the morning, so I'm not at my best, you know. You get me at my worst sometimes. <sighs> I'm at my rambling worst now. Um, what I'm trying to do in uh, mimicking those two classrooms is to mimic one of my favourite ideas. Uh, the separation of... Church and state, or alternatively, uh, faith and science. You know, I love that idea. Um, separate. I want to get some separation going between faith and science, and that's that's all I've been talking about, really. If you go back and listen to the last two and a half introduction episodes, that's all I've been doing. Um, encode 
I've been creating a separation in my head between faith and science. Right? Um, and, uh, and, and that's what made the West strong, I think. Its ability, its decision to create a separation between faith and science, you know, in the thinking sense, and then further um, to create a separation between church and state in the political sense. Um, that's what made the West strong and rich, you know, and uh, and then they used that wealth and that richness to spread across the world and get even, you know, and rip off everyone who hadn't got strong and rich. Why did the West do that? Is it because of the colour of their skin? No, it's because they're humans. You know, I suspect that might be true. Um, you know, look, this is how the West got its white privilege for, you know, and all this sort of stuff, you know, stuff we hate. That's how it got it, I think, you know, by getting into physics, for example. Um, but at the same time, importantly, putting faith aside. You know, a lot of people can't do that. Um, um, I'll just mention I heard a debate, because I listen to the BBC a lot, I heard a debate in Nigeria not too long ago, and the Nigerian parliament were, and I think it was in the shadow of Ebola and all this sort of thing, and the Nigerian parliament was arguing strongly that they really, that the Niger, they really should in Nigeria, um, when it comes to things like Ebola and science in general and technology, um, put faith aside and stop saying it's God's will, you know, try and get this out of their heads um, and create a separation, Europe style, you know. And, and now this sounds like, you know, everyone wants to be like Europe and should they? Um, you know, that's claiming that everyone's trying to be like Europe and the only reason I'm claiming that is because they are. The whole world is, you know. Um, is there a country in the world that hasn't got a European-style political system at the moment? Is there a country in the world that hasn't got that? I don't think so. Um, and so on and so forth, you know. But, um, yeah, look, Nigeria uh, was saying um, it's holding us back, um, giving everything to God every, every time uh, something goes wrong, for example, Ebola, you know, saying, listen, this was God's will, let's just cop it sweet, you know. But also it's holding us back in that sense that, you know, when, when a major disaster comes along, everyone goes, oh, well, you know, God's will, you know. Um, and, um, you know, because they're mixing up faith, you know, um, with the science that is required to attack something like Ebola. So it's holding them back when a disaster strikes. Is what, now don't take this from me, um, this is what Nigeria said, you know. And they also argued that it holds people back to just accept the status quo as God's will in other ways too in terms of progress, you know, pushing forward with inventions and all that sort of thing. You know, they had that debate. Um, so that's that, you know. But, um, you know, I've studied Ethiopia a bit lately, you know, a few other places and Egypt and all that sort of thing, you know, back in the 1800s and all that sort of thing. And, you know, look, it's not me that's saying countries like these and others 
are trying to, you know, wanted to become more like Europe at that time in history, at least, because they used to wor- use the word modernization. You know, um, countries like you know, Ethiopia and Egypt, for example, just two examples amongst every example in the world, and um, they used to hire Europeans. Uh, down into those countries to assist them to modernise. And what they meant, not me, but what they meant by modernise is was um, to Europeanise. Yeah. Um, so, and to Europeanise, what they meant was to do something along the lines of what I'm doing in this podcast in investigating physics and developing a definition of physics. No, not developing a definition of physics straight out of the top of my head. What I'm doing is... Um, what I'm doing is, um, in my own way, trying to get at the definition of physics... Um, as was developed by especially the Western world, which did do that separation of faith and science, I think much more effectively, much more genuinely than anyone else in history. I think Aristotle, you know, the ancient Greeks got into it too. Um, Aristotle, you know, said, well, um, did... I, I suspect that rather than God making man, I suspect man made God, you know. And he said that 2,300 years ago. And, you know, and people still say that now, you know. You get someone say, you know what? These priests are saying God made men. And they say it almost as if they're inventing it on the spot, you know. I think that's a lot of rubbish. I think, you know, it's man made God, surely, you know. You say, oh, right, yeah. Um, Aristotle speaks from the grave, yeah. Hey, that's what I said. <laughs> but he's pleased about it. He's a generous guy, Aristotle. Look, that was a ramble, but sometimes you're going to get a ramble from me. Yeah, just before I do drop off to sleep, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there is a very strong argument that um, things like physics have led us down a path towards destruction, you know, climate uh, catastrophe, for example. You know, there's a strong argument for that. Uh, but this is not an episode that cares about that, you know. This is an episode that's just reporting what physics is, whether it is a very evil thing for the world um, and what a pity we haven't just decided to adopt, you know, Indigenous Australian ways you know, and live in harmony with the land. You know, I'm just, re- you know, whether it's evil or not, it's it's the topic of this mini series physics it's the topic of this mini series so even if it's evil um i still need to discuss it and this is how i'm discussing it by setting up a fake classroom in which the rules of physics apply you know, 
whilst also acknowledging that there there is that other classroom over there in which, you know, you can believe what you want to believe. You know? And that other classroom might be a better classroom for, for the future. You know, I'm not saying that's not the case. I'm just saying I am in this classroom and that's what I'm talking about. Uh, all right, that will do for the night. Once upon a time, um, Jesus um, turned water into wine, yeah, according to our discussion in that other classroom, the religious classroom. Yeah. The nuclear fusion, and possibly fission, because I haven't even thought about it, and the amount of energy that would have to be, you know, that would have been either put into um, that process or given off, you know, maybe the whole of Jerusalem, Jerusalem would have exploded in a, you know, in a mushroom cloud had Jesus actually done that because of the forces involved in taking um, H2O molecules and turn them into wine molecules, whatever wine molecules look like, alright? No, it would not have. It would not have uh, gone up in a mushroom cloud because, uh, Part of Jesus's uh, magic, part of the miracle, is to be able to control that as well. So not only did he turn water into wine, but he controlled the energy uh, evolved in those process in the in the processes of you know all the molecules changing. Uh, I tell you what, that other classroom is a lot more fun. <laughs> it's got to be a lot more fun because anything it does. Oh, this is why. Look, this is why we have to ban all of that from this classroom. Which really do because you know I, I could say speed equals distance over time, and someone could just say oh, only when I feel like it. <laughs> I can just click my fingers and say no. <laughs> yeah, this is the problem with that. This is why you have to have rules. Um, when you come into a physics classroom. You know, it's for the same reason that you have to have rules when you uh, run out on a football field. You can't just have someone suddenly um, suddenly knocking out somebody else without getting reported or something uh, to give you a look. You have to have rules. <laughs> and this is why I've got rules in my physics classroom otherwise someone annoying is just going to keep on saying um yeah keep on putting the, the hand up and saying uh, teacher i've decided not to like that law of physics <laughs> oh on what basis just because i don't like it <laughs> all right let's get back to i interrupted myself then let's get back to what i was saying We're not talking about that exciting stuff. Physics is the boring stuff. We want to stick to boring. Um, but there's a lot of comfort in boring. And you know what? All those three groups do agree, you know, except for the nut jobs amongst them, that yes, okay, um, if all three of us in three different cars, you know, the one that believes in reincarnation, the one that believes in going to heaven, and the one that's an atheist, um, how long does it take to get to uh, Geelong, if you go at 100 kilometres per hour, you know, given that Geelong is 100 kilometres away, all three of them 
we'll say an hour, you know. Um, and this is the vast majority of people on the planet all agree on boring physics. That's what I'll call this um, series, boring physics. We don't want the fancy stuff. We don't want the fantastic stuff, you know. We don't want to make allowances for the possibility of miracles, you know. We don't want to say, um, and all that sort of stuff, you know. We don't want to say that, you know, in normal day-to-day -day life, um, you could take off uh, for Ballarat, which is an hour away. Um, we don't want someone in the classroom saying, um, all right, in the future, if, you know, like, in, are we all agreed in this classroom? Um, if, um, if next week I, we set off for Ballarat, at 100 kilometers per hour from point A, obviously we'll have to uh, take off in our car before that point A. You know, we have to get a run up because you have to be doing 100 kilometers an hour even as you pass point A, don't you? If you're going to maintain 100 kilometers all the way, you can't start at zero. All right, so we're gonna pass point A in our car. We'll get a bit of a run up before we get to point A. Um, and then we're going to land in Bella at 100 kilometers uh, later, and we're going to do 100 kilometers per hour. And we all agree that if we do that next week, um, we could reasonably expect, you know, like, can we just say that we're going to, it's going to take an hour? Yeah. And then Johnny up the back says, it is possible, is it not, sir, um, that the hand of God could reach down from the clouds and pick up our car just as we're passing Melton right and um, and with the car wheels still spinning at 100 kilometers per hour the speedo says 100 kilometers per hour um, put us down just before Geelong and we could get there in half an hour is it not true sir you know, can you rule out that possibility sir says little Johnny out the back, up the back you know, to which I would say Johnny, get out. <laughs> Mary, lock the door. Okay, we don't want Johnny here. All right, and that's what I'm talking about. That is my definition of physics. Is that good enough? I'll grab the Big Mac out and see what it says. Actually, I won't even pause. Hang on. I just landed at home and I've got the big fat Mac in the back. sound effects. Right, physics. What is the definition in here? <laughs> Riveting podcasting, isn't it? Looking back, pink root. <laughs> the root of any of various plants of the genus Spigelia, which is used as a vermifuge. See, this is the problem with reading a dictionary. You have to look up vermifuge then. Okay, let's get on to physics. There's a lot of words in here. This is the big fat Mac, you know, the big fat Macquarie dictionary. Uh, so it's got more in it. Than, than 
the abridged version versions. Here it is, physics. Noun, the science dealing with the natural laws and processes and the states and properties of matter and energy other than those restricted to living matter and to chemical changes. Well, then you would have to look up a few words after that. I still like my definition in a way because that forces you to go and look up the word science and then that opens up a whole can of worms. Yeah, and I, science is probably what I was talking about before, you know. Um, that which can be measured with the senses, you know. I, I should look it up. And dealing with natural laws and processes, you know. But then the word natural, I'd have to look up that. And that comes down to definition too, you know. And I've got a personal definition that anything happens, that happens, you know, anything that you can detect with your eyes and ears and all that sort of stuff. Anything that happens within the the sort of sphere, if we'd like to call it that, of that is the big ball, the big balloon that is the universe. Anything that happens inside there is, is natural, you know. That's my definition. Which means that in my definition of the word natural... If water should turn into wine, it'd be turned into wine by someone, uh, and 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 that, you know, um, on you know, in a in a conference in front of a thousand scientists, and they all see it with their own eyes, and they all photograph, they all video it with their iPhones, and, and we actually see that in front of us, you know, I would call that a natural occurrence, and I think I've discussed that before in previous episodes. I would call that a natural. I would not call that a miracle because it happened. Anything that happens in the natural world is natural. And, you know, this makes um, miracles impossible because if you claim that a miracle has happened, it's happened in the real world, it's natural. You know, if you're going to call that a miracle, then everything's a miracle. You know, I've discussed that before. You know, why would you, if, if you actually... Um, 100% believe that when Jesus turned water into wine that that actually happened in front of people why would you call that supernatural when other things happen right in front of people um, is it just you know does it have to be often you know for it to be natural and rare for it to be supernatural what's the difference you know that was a natural event if it happened I happen to believe it didn't um, I think it was a made-up story, you know, um, in the four walls of this classroom. In that other classroom, I said it was absolutely true. You know, when I was taking a religious education class, it was absolutely true. You know, um, because of my definition of what was going to be true during that class. You can define things to be true, even if they're not true in some other context. You know, you can say within the context of the following, you know, discussion... Such and such is true. Yeah, and we do this when we go and watch movies, you know. We suspend disbelief, you know, and we say, it is true, you know, I go to a Star Wars movie and um, things are exploding in space and they're making a big noise, you know, a big explosion, but, you know, sound waves don't travel, travel in space. But I'm, I'm going to say, so that I can enjoy this movie, um, I am going to uh, define its to be so that if something explodes in space it makes a noise all right i'm going to define that to be true um for the purpose of, now well you know 
when I'm in this physics classroom, it's not true, obviously. You know, that's ridiculous. Sound waves don't carry in space. Um, there's, there's nothing to carry them. There's no air to carry the sound waves. Sound waves need to be carried by something. Okay? Um, you know, it's ridiculous. But within the context of a, watching a Star Wars movie, I'm allowed to define. It doesn't have to be true. It's definition. I'm allowed to define that it's going to be true that sound waves... Um, can, you know, propagate, you know, carry themselves in space somehow, all right? I'm just going to completely define that. And this is why in physics, I'm going to define it to be so that miracles um, are out. I'm dropping you off to school, and I just dropped you off to school, and... Um, Alex, all fake names, you know, Alex um, got the last punch in. <laughs> that's, the, that's what we do, you know, punch each other all the way to school, and the idea is to try and get the last punch in, and then he got a punch in, he always wins, he got a punch in just before, you, Alex, got a punch in just before you ran into school, and um, I tried to punch you back, but I missed, as I do every day. Right, now, um, what was I doing? Oh, yeah, I had an extra thought, and um, it's this. And even though I let our senses off scot-free, I forgive them their failings, because they're only in their own service anyway, even though I let them off scot-free... I suspect in this classroom I shouldn't be letting our powers of reasoning off scot-free. They've still got some work to do. They're still accountable. Um, yeah, I'm not going to bother thinking it through right now, but uh, because uh, now it's time to take Mummy to work. Um, it's just, we've just finished school holidays, you know, so we're back in the thick of it now. Right, um, and uh, and he had about what is it two, six, seven? Oh, not too bad. I had five hours sleep last night. Had to stay up coding because uh, I've been a bad person in a previous life, and uh, and I have to work during the night sometimes. Um, right, powers of reasoning. Our powers of reasoning, and uh, we don't let them off scot free. Yeah, because even though the senses are in their own service, um, and um, and as such can be forgiven for their failings, yeah, like a like a young bloke who's had a hard childhood, um, who knocks a taxi driver over the head um, from the back seat and kills him, and then goes up before a magistrate and says, "I had a hard childhood, so can you know? Can you show some leniency?" Well, um, same here. A young bloke um, had drawn a picture of a beautiful green field, you know, and in the middle of that green field was a black cage, you know, and inside that cage was a bird crying, you know, and that was him, you know, obviously. Um, and I thought, hmm, you could have drawn a taxi, you know, um, with the dead taxi driver's family all sitting there looking at the taxi, and Daddy's not there. You could have drawn that. 
I haven't thought that one through either. Right, um, nothing to do with this episode, but I just noticed that, and, you know, didn't think it through fully, you know, and, you know, probably they don't have to think, you know, at that age, they're only young. Uh, we're egocentric at that age, and perhaps they don't think, you know, it's very hard for them to think about um, the taxi driver at that age, you know, they're still thinking about what's happened to themselves, you know, and, you know, huge remorse at getting caught, and all that sort of stuff, you know. I'm not, I'm not. I am nowhere near perfect either, you know, and uh, um, and I should be, uh, yeah, and I'm I'm in a cage as well, working late at night for all my sins as well. Now, um, so we don't let our powers of reasoning off scot free, uh, uh, because they've got some work to do. Um, because even though the senses are in the services of their senses, if our powers of reasoning, um, uh miscalculate what our senses are telling us you know even with their failings and all you know even with the senses failings and if our um, powers of reasoning don't for example invent a microscope or a telescope to improve our um, powers of our senses um, our powers of reasoning have let us down they are accountable they can be improved so physics will is a lot about you know um, our, our powers of reasoning, you know, and how well they can interpret our senses for our senses, you know, even within the context of the failings of the senses, you know, um, and even if the world, in the physical world, is an illusion, you know, the powers of reasoning, they've got some work to do, and that's physics, you know, physics is um, about that too, isn't it? So it's the five senses plus the power of reasoning. All right.